Amen. Thank you, brother. I want to say that we'll be having our business meeting right after the uh, worship service this morning, and so I uh, want to let you know to stay around and we'll, we'll have the business meeting. Um, I don't know of anything else that I uh, need to announce, but uh, uh, I want you to pray for um, Brother Samaru. Brother Samaru is, uh, is uh, trying to get a building uh, for them to meet in, and so uh, remember him in prayer and pray for him and, and pray that the Lord will see fit to bless them. Um, turn with me, if you would, to... Uh, Isaiah, the 53rd chapter, let's stand as we honor God's word by standing. Isaiah, the 53rd chapter, and I'm going to begin reading in the 6th verse. Isaiah 53, verse 6, says, All we, like sheep, have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter and as a sheep before her shearers is dumb. So he opened, openeth not his mouth. The eighth verse says he was taken from prison and, and from a judgment and who shall declare his generation? For he was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgressions of my people was he stricken. Gracious Heavenly Father, we do thank you this day as we just sang a song, Jesus Saves. Lord, I, I know that to be true. I know that he saved me some 53 years ago. And Lord, uh, I know that he's still saving uh, those today, Lord. And I pray if there's any here today. That are not saved, Lord, I pray that the Holy Spirit will take a hold of them and, and will uh, speak to them in and, and that still small voice, Lord, and let them know that this may be the day, their day of salvation. And, Lord, I just pray that you bless us. Bless those that are here. We bless those who aren't here for some reason or other. We pray for those that are sick. We pray for Brother Gary. Lord, we pray that he'll get to come home this week. And then, Lord, we pray for uh, uh, Bailey. Bailey is sick today. And, and pray for Joseph, Lord. Joseph is in school. And so pray for him. Thank you, Lord, for everything. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you. you may be seated. <clears throat> let me say before I get started, the title, well, let me say, tell you the title of our of my message this morning. The title of my message is God's Justice and Love. God's Justice and Love. But let me say before I get started that God's justice and love are both shown in Christ dying on the tree at Golgotha's Hill for the sins of his elect. That's where God's justice was shown and where God's uh, mercy was shown and where God's love was shown. Uh, there uh, when Jesus died there uh, on the tree on Golgotha's hill. God demanded justice. God demanded justice when dealing with Adam in the garden uh, 
of Eden. God, uh, God demanded uh, justice when Adam sinned because Adam's sin must be paid for. Adam's sin had to be paid for. All sin today has to be paid for. It doesn't make any difference uh, if you're saved or not. If you're not saved, you'll either, either Christ paid for your sins or you'll have to pay for them in an eternity in hell, which you'll never get that debt paid off. And then if, uh, uh, if you're saved and you've sinned, you've got to, those sins have to be paid for too. Because even Paul said in the book of Hebrews, he, he said over there in the 10th chapter of the book of Hebrews, uh, he said that uh, when we presumptuously sin, then he said there is no more offering for that sin. In other words, Christ is not going to come back and die again for that sin. That sin has to be paid for. And, 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 and he said every, all those that sin that are, that are saved uh, are looking forward to indignation which means they're looking forward to chastisement. And so that's, uh, that's, that's, that's how sin has to be paid for, even as a saved person. Sin has to be paid for. Justice is demanded as far as sin is concerned. We, being the descendants of Adam, must also have our sins paid for. You know, uh, because of Adam's sin, and Adam's sin had to be paid for, and because of because we are uh, the followers of Adam, and uh, every one of us, uh, he mentions over there in our text today, and back in the sixth chapter, back in the sixth chapter of our text, he says, "All we like sheep have gone astray; we have turned every one to his own way." That's the fact that we're totally depraved. Every one of us are totally depraved, and 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 we are we are uh, we are. Um, we sin, and that sin has to be paid for. Because of Adam's sin, we're all we're born totally depraved. These babies are born totally depraved. I was born totally depraved. I I lived the first 22 years of my life as a totally depraved sinner, and 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 lived it. But thank God, through the Lord Jesus Christ, my sin was paid for. My past sins were paid for. My present sins are paid for, and my future sins will be paid for uh, in, in the Lord Jesus Christ, and we're thankful for that. Someone had to stand in the way between God's wrath and God's demand for justice. That one was Jesus Christ. Somebody had to stand in the way between God's wrath. If, 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 if God had given every one of us what we deserved, he would have sent us to hell. That very, the very first sin we ever committed, he would have sent us to, uh, he would have sent us to hell. But there are some that Jesus stood in between God, God's wrath, and and God's judgment. And so that was uh, that was the Lord Jesus Christ who did that. He paid he paid for that sin there on Calvary's tree. Uh, someone had to stand in that way, and Jesus did. Substitution, substitution is the only way of salvation when justice and love are considered. Someone, someone had to stand in the way. Someone had to be a substitute, and Christ was that substitute 
there that, that, that day, that time. He was that substitute. Now, um, substitution is the only way of salvation when justice, when, when God's justice and God's love are considered. It was God's justice that made it necessary for Christ to die for the sins of his elect. It's because God demanded justice. God always demands justice. God always demands justice. And he doesn't, and, and this thing, everybody, I, I hear people talking about God loves everybody, and it's not so. God's love is not extended to everybody because there, there are some who are going to die and go to hell. Matter of fact, there's a great multitude, a great, great multitude that are going to die and go to hell. And so certainly uh, uh, it's, it's when we consider God's justice, it was necessary that Christ come and die for the sins of his elect. It was God's love for his elect which made it necessary for him to send his only begotten son to this sinful world to live and die for rebellious sinners. God sent him here. God sent him to this sinful world. He, he lived among in this sinful world. Uh, and, and certainly as a result of it, uh, he died there on Calvary's tree to save those that are his elect children. It was the great apostle Paul, great apostle Paul, who said of Christ coming to the earth. He said he came to declare, I say, at this time his righteousness, that he might be just and the justifier of him which believeth in Jesus. So that justice is required. It, this is a key thing right here. You know, I, I think that we get so used sometimes, so habitually used to sinning, that we forget that every one of those sins have to be paid for. And, and then you, you're going to say, well, I don't know what sins I have committed. I promise you, if you're saved, Christ is going to tell you. He's going to show you at the, uh, at the judgment seat of Christ. He's going to show you every sin that you committed after you were saved, and he's going to he's going to declare a, a uh, he's going to declare justice for those sins, but then he's going to he's going to show that he died for every one of those sins, even those sins of omission. You know, we we have sins of omission. There there's things that there, there's things that we we always talk about what we do, but there's things that we neglect. In our life, it is sin. You know, we, we neglect sometimes the, the importance. I was just thinking, sitting up here earlier uh, this morning, as I was sitting here waiting on folks to come in, and I was sitting up here and I was thinking, I said, you know, I, I read a lot of stuff on Facebook. I, I see a lot of it. Me being on Facebook now, I probably see more of it than I've ever seen. But uh, very few people... Very few people mention anything about the Lord's church. Everything that people says has to do with, with a universal type of salvation. They, they never mention about the Lord's church. You know, it's possible to sin against the Lord's church, which, which is probably one of the greatest sins that anybody, a saved person, can commit. is to sin against the Lord's church. You know, the Lord's church is not mentioned today. It's almost like it's almost like the Lord's church don't exist today. It's almost like some of these sayings I see are universal. They're just universal sayings, you know. 
you know, everybody, uh, everybody, anybody can latch on to when people says, well, Jesus offered us salvation. Jesus didn't offer anybody salvation. We, Jesus, God chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world unto salvation. Jesus don't offer salvation to us. He came to acquire and pay for the salvation that we have. And so thereby, you know, uh, the church is an important thing in, in the, as far as religion is concerned. The church is the most important thing. I don't know if people know it or not, but let me tell you, folks, the church is what Jesus himself said. He gave the keys of the kingdom of heaven to his church. And he gave it to his church. And, and everything we do must be done through the Lord's church. You know, you can't just go out here and just freelance. Everything we do has to be done through the Lord's church. And, and the Lord's church is a forgotten thing in this day and time. And so we, we must, when we talk about God's justice and God's love, God is going to hold all those accountable who, who, don't, who, do, who doesn't put much value on the Lord's church. You know, the Lord's church is a dying thing. It really is. It's a dying thing today. You know, we have these mega churches where they never say anything about the Lord's church. They never say anything about how it got started. They never say anything about how it is to be uh, how, how it's to be governed, how it's to be, uh, how it's to come together, and the things that uh, said, uh, they never say anything about that. All they get is, is you come down the aisle, we're going to talk about this a little more later on in this message, all, all they get is, is you just, you, you just uh, uh, trust the Lord and that's all, that's it, you're done, you're finished, you don't need anything else. You, you'd be surprised at some of these mega churches that that is taught in. That very thing is taught in there. That's a, That was one of the things that I liked uh, about uh, um, Charles, um, the um, one up there in Atlanta. Anyway, uh, I, he just retired. He just resigned two weeks ago, the First Baptist Church in Atlanta. And uh, that's what I liked about him. What I liked about him was he would tell people the importance of the church. He would always tell them the importance of the church. And I remember him saying one Sunday, I was listening to him, and, and I remember him saying one Sunday, he said up there, he looked out over that con congregation of about 5, 12, 14, 13,000 people. That's how many they have in that First Baptist Church there in Atlanta. And, and he looked out over that great congregation, and he said, I, I know this is going to surprise some of you, but he said probably about 90% of you are not saved. Now, I, I thought I was going to sink. I sunk down in my chair when I heard him say that because I, I never thought that, that he would ever say anything like that. But I want to tell you, folks, the church is important. And the reason being is because he preached one time on how important the church was. And certainly that's... That's one of the key things. So the church is important. And the reason I'm saying, the reason I'm talking about this this morning is because of the fact that, uh, uh, that, um, that the, the, the worst uh, um, chastisement 
is given out in the scriptures for those who don't come to the Lord's house. For those who for those who forsake the Lord's house. When I say forsake the Lord's house, I don't mean one service or two services. I mean those that just don't feel like it's necessary anymore to be in the Lord's house. And I, I don't know that this live streaming is not uh, enabling some people. I've, I've thought about that. I have prayed about that. But yet I do know that there are people who do listen to this live streaming. And, and they do listen and they do get, get some things out of it. And I'm thankful for that. But... Um, as, as Brother Adam and I were talking on the phone here a week or two ago, and, and Brother Adam said, Brother Paul, I don't know if you know this or not, but he said the biggest majority of the people that listen to our services, they listen to it from YouTube. And, and he, said, uh, he said that they, we have a far, he said we have far more listeners to YouTube than we do from live streaming. And he's right. But also we have people who listen live streaming. And, and we're thankful for that too. But, uh, but let me tell you folks, I hope people don't stay home and use this as a substitute for, for being in the Lord's house because the Bible teaches against that. So those sins have to be paid for. And, and if you, you just go read the 10th chapter of the book of Hebrews if you, you want to know what I'm talking about. Those sins have to be paid for. It was uh, academia. Well, it, first of all, it, it, uh, Paul said, let me say this one more time. Paul said to declare, I say, at this time, his righteousness, that he might be just and a justifier of him which believeth in Jesus. Academia, you know what academia says? Academia says, uh, that is, that's the, the smart people, supposedly. Academia says it is morally wrong for the innocent to bear the sins of the guilty. Well, God's not wrong. God's not wrong when God says that, that, that there's someone who died for the guilty and, and, and gave his life for the guilty. Academia says that's not fair. Well, I, I know God is not, God, God is, God is moral. God is, uh, and God is not wrong when God tells us that Jesus died for, 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 for those sinners. He's not wrong, and so this is, uh, justice has to be paid for. Uh, God himself could not do immoral things. This is by his own sovereign will. God put himself under his own sovereign will that he cannot lie, he cannot do immoral things. So for, for, for it to be immoral to send Christ to, to, to Golgotha's hill to die for sinners, that's not an immoral thing. That is a moral thing as far as the Bible is concerned. I'm trying to get this to where we'll all understand it. It was God's sovereign will to come to the earth as the incarnate Christ and die an ignominious death for his own. It was God who sent him here to die for his own. The, the great uh, apostle John said, And the word was made flesh 
and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So John testifies that Jesus came to die for sinners. Well, academia says that's not fair. Says that's not fair. And that, that's, that's, that's why the world is going in the way it's going now. If you folks will just sit down, take time, and, and, and listen to Facebook, and read the things on Facebook, you will see how much they skip everything to do with the church. They skip everything to do with, 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 uh, with sovereignty. They skip everything. Only thing is, well, you just believe in Jesus and you're fine. Well, I'm here to tell these folks that Satan believed and trembled. So it's possible that Satan believed and trembled because Satan realized that that belief he had did not help his situation at all. Satan Satan was going to go to hell. God, when, when he fell from heaven... He fell right down. He stopped here, and I'm just paraphrasing it. He stopped here on the earth, and he did his work here on the earth, and he's going to go to hell someday and suffer for all eternity in, in the fires of hell. And let me tell you, folks, uh, it's, it's important that we see and understand that Jesus had to come and Jesus had to die. And, and, and Jesus didn't only come and die on Golgotha's hill. What did he do before he died? He established a church. Why did he establish a church? You know, it just behooves me. I've been in an argument with someone uh, for the last two or three weeks, and I, I've been in an argument with me. Y'all didn't see it because I didn't. We didn't put it on Facebook. But I've been in an argument with someone over this very same thing: the importance of the church. They're, they try to tell me, they'll say, well, it's not important that women have a place in the church. It's not important that men have a place in the church. It's not important that the church meet every time. If, if they shut the church down, that's fine. It's not important that the church meets. Let me tell you, folks, it is important that the church meet. It's important that, I'll I tell you this much, uh, all the time we weren't meeting, your pastor came here to preach, but he came here to preach with a with, with, with a heart that wasn't wasn't quite into it as he should have been. Because I want the church to gather together. I want the church to come together. I want the church to come Sundays. I want the church to come Wednesday night. You know, you're you're not a church unless you assemble together you know once 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 you break up today once we let you go home today then you're not a church anymore we, we won't be a church again until wednesday night when everybody comes and assembles themselves together it made no difference if it's just two or three here you still come and assemble yourself together you you're a church you, you become a church and you are a church <clears throat> Everything God does was planned and purposed before the foundation of the world. Everything he does. What does it really mean that Christ 
died for our sins. It was the great apostle Paul who said, For I deliver unto you, first of all, that which I received, how that Christ died for our sins, according to what? According to the scriptures. That's important. That's important. Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. 1 Corinthians 1 and verse 3. You know, he came and he died according to, the, according to what the Bible teaches us. The Bible that I'm preaching from now and the Bible that I've preached from for 50, going on 54 years now, the Bible that I preach from teaches that Christ came and died for the sins of his people. And that's important to know. I can do no less today. I can do no less today than teach the same thing. I tell you today that there were three things God could have done. Now, when, when Adam sinned, there were three things that God could have done. Number one, he could have been just with, he could, he could have been just with man and sent all to hell without any remedy. He could have sent Adam and Eve to hell without any remedy. Matter of fact, they hid from him. They tried to cover their own sins. They cut down big fig leaves and wrapped them around them so they could cover up their nakedness. And God asked Adam, said, what are you doing with that on? And Adam said, I, I, I was afraid. Everybody, everybody tries something to get to heaven. And some of these things I see down are gives people an easy route to heaven. Just believe in Jesus. Again, I'm going to say this again. Satan believed and he trembled. That's what, that's what James says. Satan believed and he trembled. So, you know, a lot of people who claim that they believe today, they're really trembling in their heart and realizing, is this what it's going to take for me to go to heaven? It really is. I want to tell you, it really is. Am I glad that he didn't send those to hell the second they saved, that they sinned? I'm glad he didn't send Adam and Eve to hell. God could have done that. That's one of the things God could have done. He could have sent a, every one of them to hell and everybody that followed them. He could have sent them to hell. You better, you better believe I, I'm thankful for that. This is exactly what he's going to do with the reprobates who have been born for one reason and one reason only, that is to go to hell for all eternity. They're born for one reason. Let me tell you, folks, there, there's, these reprobates are born for one reason. You'll say, well, the Bible don't speak that. Well, go over to the book of Timothy. Go over to second, uh, first, uh, yeah, second Timothy. Go over to 2 Timothy where, where, where uh, he talks about uh, that, those two being reprobates and those, those two being reprobated. Go go to go to Romans the first chapter, and read that. He talks about those who are reprobated. All those 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 who are reprobated are going to hell. They're going to hell. 
And that's, that's, that's what hell, that's one of the reasons that hell is there. Secondly, he could have been all merciful and all loving to every soul born in this world. In other words, he could have saved everybody. He could have done that. He could have just saved everybody. And let me tell you, folks, people love that today. They, they love that teaching today where everybody is saved. They love that teaching today when, when they can get up and preach a funeral and just say everybody that comes lays there saved. Let me tell you, folks, that's not so. This is what the Armenians want to believe. They want to believe that everybody is saved. And that's the reason they, they pack their churches with people just telling them that all you got to do is believe. Well, I believe, preacher. Well, then you're saved. I tell you, there's more to it than that. I want to tell you, there's a breakdown. There was a time, and I remember it in my ministry, there was a time when people walked that church aisle bawling. But there was also a time that I saw several years later, I saw three girls walk down a church aisle blowing bubblegum bubbles and laughing at one another because one of the bubbles bursted and went all over their nose. And they laughed at one another, came down forward to quote unquote to be saved. I saw that. I saw that. I saw that in a meeting that I went to one time. I saw these three girls come down the church aisle blowing bubbles with bubble gum. But I also saw some. I saw my dad. I saw my dad crawl out from under. He was a third seat back just in front of Neil and Becky. He was over next to the wall. And he come crawling out underneath our squalling. He crawled all the way up to to uh, Brother Phil Becker. That was a preacher that was preaching the meeting. He fall, He crawled all the way up to Brother Phil Becker, and he looked up like a dog, and he said, "I want to be saved." That's what I've seen, and that's what I know to be the truth. I know that this this easy. Easy believism, easy to get into heaven just by saying that I believe. My dad, who couldn't even read and write, he knew that wasn't right. My dad never had any idea. First time he ever been in church in his life was when he was sitting over at that aisle. Mom talked him into going. The, uh, the Emmanuel Baptist Church was having a revival. And my mom talked him into going. And he went. First time he'd ever been in church in his life. He was 57 years old. First time he'd ever been inside of a church. And I want to tell you, God got a hold of him. And I, I was standing up here. I led singing during that meeting. And I was standing up here, and here he come crawling out under them seats like a, like, like, like a snake. The seats, the, the, the little building was full. And he didn't want to stumble all over everybody. The guy would get out. He'd come crawling under there. Let me tell you, folks, there's more to 
this salvation and being saved than just saying, I believe. Well, God could have done, God, God could have saved everybody right then. God could have saved everybody. Well, let's, let's suppose he did. If this was so, that would mean that there would have been no moral laws to live by. There, there would have been no debt to pay for sin. There would have been no justice. It would mean that not one man, I'm, I'm sorry, it, it would mean that not one man would have lived any differently than any other. All the world would have been all, 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 I'm sorry, all the world could have been almost as it, if it, as it is today, immoral. Even some profess that Christians think that, that nothing about, think nothing about living like that today. A lot of Christians don't. I'm having problems with my eyes today. A lot of Christians don't. They, they, they don't think that it's, that it's no different than them today. You know, that it's, it's, it's nothing. It doesn't mean a thing. doesn't mean a thing. Religion don't mean a thing. It's just the fact that, that I can say, oh, yeah, so-and-so said this, and I'll amen it. It would mean all those things. There was another time God saw the very thing in man. There was another time in history God saw the very same thing in man. Like man, like a lot of people live today, God saw the same thing. He says, and God saw that wickedness, wickedness of man was great in the earth. That every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was also evil continually. Genesis 6, 5. What did Jehovah God do to this world then? What did he do to this world? He destroyed it. He destroyed that world. God, God, God said every, every man, there was, only, there was only one person, only one person the Bible mentions saw the grace of God during that time, and that was Noah. Only one person, and, and God let Noah take his family with him. There was eight people that got on that ark, and God destroyed the whole world. Why? Because men's imaginations were evil continually. Well, what do we have today? It's almost like we, we can't even think up on spiritual things. We can't begin to think up on spiritual things. God destroyed them. He destroyed everything, including all humans except his chosen one, being Noah and his family. What do you suppose God has in store for this wicked world today? What, is, what does God have in store for this wicked world today? Well, let me tell you, you may be already seeing it. I bet you I could ask every one of you in here, how many of you, don't, don't raise your hands, but how many of you have prayed that God would take this sickness away? I'm sure every one of you would raise your hand. And then I could ask you a second question. How many of you have a friend that you know has prayed that God will take this all away? I guarantee you every hand would go up. And the third question would be, 
how many of you has God answered that prayer? As many people, matter of fact, Franklin Graham is leading, I, I don't know when it's going to be, sometime into this month, he's leading people down, he, he, he's expecting to have maybe two or three million people is going to come down and they're going to pray that God will take this away. They've already been ten times that many has already prayed that God would take this away. But he hasn't done it yet. Why do you suppose he hasn't? Well, it could be the fact that he's given us a glimpse of what it's going to be like to destroy the wickedness that's in this world today. Everybody, you know, we, uh, somebody, I think it was Stephanie was saying this morning, I was telling her about Bailey, and Stephanie said, well, everybody thinks about, if, if anybody gets sick, first thing they think about, well, they've got the COVID-19. Well, let, me, let me tell you, folks, 665,000 people died during the last flu season we had. This last this year, about last year. More people died during that than it. You never saw any of all this going on. We never turned church out. We never did. I even had somebody tell me one time during that time, they said, I just don't understand how you can go in the hospital and visit people and go in there and talk with them and everything, come to church, and you don't get the flu yourself. But we didn't have all of this during that time when they had the R1N1. I believe I believe that was called the bird flu or some swine swine flu or something like that. They had a lot more people died from that than have died from this. Same way with the bird flu. I've lived through every one of those. Praise be unto God, I never got it a time. We didn't have all of this. We didn't turn church out. What's happening now? Everybody's praying, God, get rid of this. I see on Facebook, God's the only one that can get rid of it. And they're, they're true. That's true. God is the only one that can get rid of it. He's the only one that can take it away. He's the only one that can dry it up. You know, they, they claim they're going to have a vaccine. Did you know that over two-thirds of the people have already declared they will not take that vaccine? I said, well, what if it works? I was talking to somebody here a while back. They said, they're not going to take it. Because I said, well, what if it works? God has got a plan. He's got a purpose for what's going on right now. I can't help it. 
I'm telling you, folks, he may be giving us a glimpse of what it's like, what it was like in Noah's day. And thirdly and lastly, there's left only one other thing that God could have done. It was his sovereign plan from the very beginning. It was the great apostle Paul who said, according as he had chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will. That's the only last thing God can do. only last thing we can do is have, have security and have peace and have hope in this very thing that Paul said here. The only hope I've got is that God chose me in Christ before the foundation of the world. The only hope I have is that, that my name is written in that book that was written before the foundation of the world. only prayer that any of us have is that we were elected before the foundation of the world. It is said, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. 1 John 3 and verse 14. And I'm going to end this message with this. Praise God for his sovereign will. For there is justice and there is love for every one of us. Let's all stand if you would.